20 years ago, then Illinois Senator Barack Obama sponsored a bill to fight racial profiling in traffic stops. That legislation, also known as the Illinois Traffic Stop Statistical Study Act, it required police departments across Illinois to collect and report more details for traffic stops that included the reason and the outcome of the stop as well as the driver's race. But a recent investigation finds that little has changed as a result of that policy and that black drivers, well, they're still disproportionately affected. Now, WBEZ partnered with the Investigative Project on Race and Equity. That's a local nonprofit investigative group to dig into the data behind that legislation. WBEZ digital editor Matt Kiefer and data projects editor Alden Lowry worked with that nonprofit. And they join us now to talk through the full impact of those numbers. Matt and Alden, welcome. Hey, Sasha. Hey, thanks for having us. Good to see you. So, Matt, I'll start with you. This legislation, it goes back, as I said, to when Obama was a state senator, which was a long time ago. Uh, what was it that uh, was the driving force behind him wanting to create the bill? Yeah, so as most folks are aware, there's sort of anecdotal evidence or just this sort of observation that uh, concept of driving while black. And while that sort of concept was in the air at the time, as you can imagine, in the early 2000s, there was still a lot of paper record keeping or no record keeping at all. We were kind of entering the information age and not really a whole lot of data on this type of thing. So at the time, it was sort of a new concept. Let's keep track of these things. Let's enter them into a database and conduct studies. And so 20 years later, we have this retrospective whole collection of evidence that we can look back on 42 million traffic stops. Yeah. What was the initial reaction, though, to the bill? At the time, it was considered something of a compromise. There had been a few attempts at doing this type of legislation before that went a little bit further in terms of what the requirements would be for police departments and what potential consequences there might be for either failing to submit or for having numbers that didn't line up. In the end, we ended up with something of a, of a compromise uh, of a bill, as we've uh, reported in our story. Mm. Where did most of the resistance come from? For the most part, there was a, a question from the uh, police uh, unions whether or not this was uh, fair to them and their members, and so whether or not there was uh, you know, a need for any kind of penalty or, or whether uh, this ought to be uh, something where the, the compliance is, is just sort of uh, required, but, but there, there wouldn't be any sort of penalty for um, not submitting data or, for instance, for having numbers that, that didn't line up with the local population. Mm. So what did traffic stop numbers look like before this act, Alden? Well, we didn't really know uh, in, a, in a grand way what, what they looked like uh, statewide, especially for smaller police departments. Uh, yeah. There have been some studies that have been done over the years, you know, periodically here and there that uh, would give some credence to the observations uh, and the, the general kind of anecdotal uh, evidence that mm -hmm. uh, individual drivers had about their own experiences, experiences of their friends and family. Uh, but, you know, the talk of driving while black was something that had been around for a very long time. So we just had an assumption that the percentage of black drivers at the time was high. Yes. Just based on Just based anecdotes. on anecdotal. Uh, but like I said, there, there were periodic studies done here and there, if not in Illinois and other places. So, so there was at least some evidence of that, but nothing along the lines of what was attempted with this this uh, legislation to track literally every stop uh, yeah. every year, at least. I think the initial legislation would lasted for maybe three or four years, something like that. Um, and it had to be renewed until finally in 2019 it was made permanent. So I'm dying to know, what did the most recent data show? Well, to bring it back to the early days, you can see a, a, a trend line that continues up to today where in the earliest days of the study, the percentage of stops that involved black drivers was around 17 percent, which was a little bit high considering Illinois' uh, adult black population or the, the share of 
the adults in Illinois uh, who are black is around 13%. So there's already a little bit wow. of a margin right there. Mm -hmm. But what we saw in our analysis was that number continued to climb gradually at first through the 2000s. And then in the middle of the 2010s, it climbed higher and higher into the 20%, 25%. And most recently, it's topped 30% in the last couple of years. Just for black drivers. Just for, Just black, for black drivers. drivers. Wow. Who still, uh, black adults anyway, still remain just under 14% of the state's population. But are being pulled over 30% times more. Well, they're, 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 their share of who's being pulled over is more than twice as high as the, the uh, black share of the, the adult population. population. Yeah. Uh, so we mentioned that this is a statewide policy, but I, I do want to zoom in on Chicago specifically. What does the data tell us about what's going on here? Well, in Chicago specifically, Black drivers are stopped uh, four times as often as white drivers, twice as often as Latino drivers. So you can see that there's sort of this um, scale uh, that very much depends on, on race and specifically geography as well, because Chicago is so segregated. And so we're seeing that in the data. And you made this point earlier. I mean, the numbers only include what's been reported, right? So, I mean, can, can we say that the data is complete? No, we can say the data is incomplete. <laughs> there is a list every year of agencies that don't submit data. And Chicago in particular has been, there's been reporting done by Justice Watch, I want to say. Correct. Um, Club, yes. That where, where, they've, where they've pointed out that Chicago hasn't been submitting all of their data um, uh, to the state. The, Do they give reasoning as to, to why they're not reporting these law enforcement agencies? They're, they're making attempts to, to fix it, but based on the records that are available, it's, it's sometimes very difficult to tell that something didn't happen if an officer doesn't fill out a form. Uh, there's there's not much evidence of, of that not happening. It's hard to prove a negative. But one way that, that the Injustice Watch and Black Club investigation was able to prove that out and we were able to verify was by looking at dispatch records. Police officers radio in when they do a traffic stop and routinely the number of traffic stops reported by the OEMC, the Office of Emergency Management Communications, would outnumber what's reported to the state by 100 to 200,000 a year. Wow. So, I mean, this law, uh, it has an oversight board Alden, and it's their job to monitor uh, the data collection and also suggest improvements, right? And so, yes. I mean, how often are they getting together? And when was the last time? Um, there, the, well, the law that created the Oversight Board, uh, which was passed uh, three years after uh, Obama's law creating the, uh, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the requirement to submit this data, um, calls for a 15-member board that meets quarterly. Um, now, the board, uh, in the 15 years that it has actually been uh, on the books, if you will, has only, only met um, a dozen times. And most of those meetings have occurred uh, in the past two years, since the beginning of 2022. Mm. Um, and a lot of the problems with that has you know, it's largely been because the board hasn't been really fully appointed and not consistently. So there are vacant seats. There are three vacancies currently uh, of the 15 members. Uh, the board's bylaws require them to have at least eight members uh, in order to have a quorum. And so if you only have eight appointees or in this case, 12 appointees, it's, it's more difficult to get the eight that you need. Um, the first five years the board was in existence, it didn't meet um, pretty much because there was no one really appointed uh, mm -hmm. to the board. So that's through the um, the um, administrations of uh, Governor uh, Governors uh, Bogovich and Quinn. 
uh, before uh, Blagojevich was uh, was indicted, um, and then into the administration of uh, the, the board met, I want to say four times in 2012 and 2013 combined, and then went on literally seven full years from 2015 through 2021 where they didn't meet. Of nothing. Nothing. And as you said, you know, and just from 2022 till now, that's kind of the most frequent, uh, you know, meetings. What do you think changed? I, I think they, they, they got a sufficient number of board members appointed in, in order for them to actually conduct business. Um, the Prisker administration, uh, during uh, the Prisker administration, there were four appointments made during fiscal year uh, 2020, four appointments made during fiscal year 2021, and then they've made some appointments uh, in the last two years. So there are 12 members on the board now, and they have been meeting uh, I think they've held every meeting except for one that uh, is scheduled, that was initially scheduled in 2022 and thus far in 2023. Right. So the board's doing better, but it's taken over a decade before they really had the membership in order to, to really carry out some of the business that the, the law that created the board intended for them to do. And Matt, you two also reached out to the Illinois Department of Transportation about the data. Correct. What, uh, what did they have to say about what you found? Well, there wasn't necessarily a, a long and elaborate response to the specific findings because, as you can imagine, the Illinois Department of Transportation is not a law enforcement agency and they don't speak for them. So there's not a whole lot that they could comment on about right. that 30 plus percent uh, share of uh, drivers who are, who are black. That was our main finding that we wanted to ask them about. We had some additional questions about what sort of analysis they do do and whether or not they are tracking this data from year to year. It does appear that more or less this is treated as an annual study. They collect the data. They follow up with some agencies who aren't submitting. They compile it. They do some estimates around the driving population, and then they release a large PDF that isn't very well or widely read, I should say. And, and that's pretty much the end of it, and they move on to the next uh, year. So they don't have a whole lot of responsibility necessarily for doing the types of analysis that we're doing in this project. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we see the value to add some information to this uh, kind of vacuum. Yeah, And it sounds like we don't yet have a, a firm response as to the reason for the disproportionate number of stops for black people. Yeah, I mean, that that is... Uh... You know that that is still a mystery to I mean, some we, degree. We need to get that from law enforcement, right? I, and and I, mean, I, th I think the uh, the takeaway for a lot of people who follow this data, civil rights uh, advocates, uh, uh, fair policing advocates, talk about essentially traffic stops and pedestrian stops, um, which is also a part of the the law in terms of collecting that data. Um, that uh, those are part of kind of basic police strategies. Um, so particularly in higher uh, uh, crime neighborhoods, neighborhoods with violent crime, this is a way for police to essentially police. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's been kind of the mantra. You know, we stop people, we ask questions, we run their ID to see if there's there are warrants. We, if we feel like there's a need to, we check their cars uh, to determine if there are weapons or if there are guns, you know, drugs or what have you. And, uh, and that's seen... Uh, Anecdotally, uh, that that that's seen among law enforcement as a you know a proper and effective way of policing. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who are challenging it on a couple of fronts. They're saying, well, one, there are more efficient ways to utilize um, police, uh, you know, kind of time uh, and expertise, and also 
kind of randomly stopping people essentially is a violation of, of civil rights, especially when the reasons for the stop are literally to stop people to investigate them. But we are using mm. the Illinois Vehicle Code and saying, well, you've got this issue with your tags or you have this issue with this. Uh, and sometimes drivers uh, in some of the reporting that, that we've done for this project, we've talked to drivers who've said, I was told I was being stopped because I had a broken tail light or because the, uh, the light uh, for my rear license plate was not working. And I pull over into a gas station after the stop and to get out and check. And there's nothing wrong with my taillight. There's nothing wrong with, with, with the light on my rear view yeah. plate. License. I've heard that before plenty yeah. of times, too. Uh, back in 2015, the ACLU of Illinois settled a lawsuit against the Chicago Police Department for racial profiling of their stop and frisk policy. And the organization sued CPD again this year for racial profiling during traffic stops. Can you tell us more, Matt? Yeah, this was a story that actually flew under the radar quite a bit because at the time the NYPD, New York Police Department, had been um, in the spotlight for its stop and frisk policies. And lo and behold, Chicago had its own stop and frisk operation going. Chicago police had stopped uh, large numbers of folks on the sidewalk and on the street. Mm -hmm. And so what we see is a corresponding rise as soon as the Chicago Police Department uh, settled with the ACLU over how they would manage their uh, you know, data collection around stop and frisk on the sidewalk. Uh, there's a corresponding rise immediately after in, in just pulling people over in their cars. And so one policy just sort of led into another one. And today, the, uh, the ACLU is uh, again filing suit, uh, you know, pointing out the, the disparities that we're seeing in, in these numbers. Racial profiling, whether you're on foot, whether you're in a car, I mean, how, what is... What is this saying about the, the trust that a community can have in their law enforcement, Alden? Well, I mean, it says a lot. I mean, there's, I mean, this and this, this, this goes deep, right? Because it uh, it's it's a question of of of, of relationships, uh, the relationships that police are trying to have with communities, that communities are trying to have with police, and how can you trust law enforcement if your sense is that law enforcement only sees you as a threat only sees you as someone who needs to be stopped and questioned and investigated. And all you're doing is going about your day. You're trying to pick up your kids. You're trying to go to the grocery store and you get pulled over. And there's so many black drivers in Illinois, in Chicago in particular, mm -hmm. who've had this experience several times over many years. And it just erodes at, you know, what you think about the people who are supposed to protect you, but you only see them as a force that is trying to control or to police you or to get whatever they can on you. Very interesting stuff. We'll leave it there, folks. Matt Kiefer is a digital editor at WBEZ, and Alden Lowry is a data projects editor. You can find the whole story online right now at WBEZ.org. Thank you both so much. Thanks. Thanks, Sasha.